0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me. Katie Bellati, Hope you guys are all doing well. And welcome back to another Encore episode. This is the final Encore episode in my four-week run of a little victory lap of sorts at the end of this podcast. So thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you for being here and for listening. And we're going to close with one of my favorite, favorite, favorite episodes from the entire run of this podcast. It's called The Dangers of Future Tripping. Cheers to the present, we will never be able to tell the future, so why do we spend the energy worrying about it? In this episode of Thick and Thin, originally published in July of 2022, my goal is to stop wasting my time trying to control the narrative, but sometimes that anticipatory anxiety involved with future tripping and endless what-ifs win. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for supporting this podcast throughout its run. I will miss it. I will miss you guys, but I promise there's better things in store coming soon. And like I said in the first of these episodes, I'm over on Lemonade, creating a bunch of content visually, visually portraying history and stories and fun facts that you guys will definitely enjoy. So please check that out and enjoy this episode. So to define it, future tripping is essentially anticipatory anxiety. So it's another way to say when one worries about something that has not even happened yet and it kind of comes from a want or a need to control a situation or an outcome of something and we really, really think, we really feel in our hearts that we can predict the future and we don't feel Like it's really a harmful or it's even a choice. It's kind of just like where our mind goes sometimes, you know? And if we can just try hard enough to predict, to prepare, to protect ourselves from whatever the heck is coming, we think we're being productive and that it's not putting us in a bad place, but it's kind of a mirage because we think we're doing something, but we're really not doing anything. We're just worrying. And I feel like at this rate, like in my life, anticipatory anxiety should just really be my middle name. I am always, like ask anyone, always trying to prepare myself for literally everything. I'm always prepared for the worst. I keep my expectations very low these days, but <laughs> but I'm very much like, okay, I'm doing this stressful thing in three weeks. Let me just stare at it and stress over it for the next three weeks and maybe I'll be better off because I've almost tried to predict every possible way this thing could go. Driving myself insane in the process and just kind of Autopiloting through those three weeks until the thing comes. Like, I don't even know what I ate for breakfast today. I don't even know if I chewed it or anything because I'm so stressed about this thing that's coming in three weeks. Like, that is so how I am. I am definition of anticipatory anxiety. And if you are too, keep listening. We're going to talk about it and talk about how to get ourselves out of it. Anyway, I think that trying to prepare myself for the worst, like the fact that I do that, like I said earlier, I think it is a survival instinct. I think that at one point in history, doing this could have been a really crucial skill in keeping myself alive and one of the pack in the tribe or whatever and escape the tiger that's going to eat me for breakfast. Like, I think putting all of my energy into trying to anticipate the next predator's move, like, you know, the thing like that, I think that that would be a crucial skill. But today, where there aren't tigers lurking around every corner, it really does cause me to overthink to a super unhealthy degree. And I also end up psyching myself out unnecessarily half the time. Like sometimes something that I was so, so scared about and I was really, really preparing for ends up being totally fine. I'm like, wait a second, why the heck was I so stressed about that? Like why was I so worried? So in my brain, I feel like it's constantly this thing where my brain is saying, one part of my brain is saying to the other part of my brain or however that works, it's saying, okay, well, if I just worry enough about this future occurring thing or event or person that's going to come into my life, I can control the outcome. If I just worry enough, if I stare at it long enough, I can control it. Maybe if I perfect every single detail leading up to this future thing and ask every single person in my life what they think about it and try to see things from every single point of view, like maybe if I do all of that and prepare myself as much as I possibly can, everything might be fine. But in reality, a lot of the times it is fine. I didn't have to do anything to prepare for it. I just had to stop stressing so much and, I don't know, take a chill pill, you know? But I think there's something that we kind of overlook. Like worrying, yes, it could be maybe a survival skill and that's maybe why we do it. But worrying is essentially praying for what you don't want. By worrying – you know, it's possible that you're actually speaking that bad thing into existence. Like it maybe would not have happened if you weren't so hellbent on thinking that it's going to happen, you know, because worrying is just praying for what you don't want. In dating, I find that future tripping voice in my head is saying, okay, let me worry about every single thing that can go wrong before it even starts. Like before I'm even in this relationship, I'm not even dating this guy yet. But oh my God, what if he cheats on me? I will never recover from that. (laughs) Like Maybe I shouldn't even do this because oh my God, my friend has this other friend who has a sister who was cheated on and it ruined her life, you know? Like, oh wait, I'm not even dating that person yet. It's that what if that always kills me every single time. What if, what if, what if, what if they disappoint me? What if I made the wrong decision? What if I should live somewhere else, be doing something else? Like I cannot stop asking myself these questions and yes, sometimes the voice is louder than other times. Sometimes I'm not bothered at all by not knowing the future. On some carefree, positive days where things have been going well and life has been kind to me, but on those days where I'm especially vulnerable, I feel like it's always the days when it's like super rainy and overcast. I'm like so directly, my like mood is so dependent on the weather that I just feel like everything's wrong and I'm lonely and sad and everything is futuristically going to be wrong as well. Like that's how I feel sometimes but my fight or flight instinct really does need to take a vacation. Like it really does because, or I just need to figure out how to cope with this, which I actually have some solutions that I've written down that I'm going to try to do and maybe we can do them together. So I've read that oftentimes we set ourselves up for failure by creating stories. Like we create, we make up these tales about who we think we are. And it's, not about who we actually are or who we could be or anything like that it's about who our brain decides we are when we're in a bad mood you know they it's literal tall tales fabrications of who we actually are that our brain tries to convince ourselves as fact and i'm not sure why we do this but like think about it in your mind like have you done this before yeah probably i have i do it all the time And they're stories that essentially prove to us that we are indeed too much, too dramatic, not good enough. Like we are the reason that something went wrong. It's something that we did. You know, we take something that actually happened to us and analyze it so deeply that it changes shape entirely. It's almost like when you say a word too many times over and over again, and it doesn't even sound like the word anymore. You know, it's like sounds weird when you say it too many times. Like we convince ourselves that something happened to us that didn't happen at all or like it happened but the reason is something totally different than what actually was the reason, you know, we convince ourselves that there has to be some detail in there that points to us being the problem. We were the catalyst for the issue. There's gotta be something wrong with me because this thing happened. Like we tell these tall tales to ourselves to make it make sense. Like our brain tries to come up with a solution. If it doesn't know the solution, if it doesn't know the reason, it invents one and it's a lot easier to tack the blame onto yourself than someone else who, you know, I don't know, who isn't there when you're contemplating it, when you're thinking about it, when you're reflecting later on, you know? It's just, we start to believe these lies that we tell ourselves. And when I get sucked into this future-tripping, huge spiral of anxiety and putting myself down, I've in the past just kind of tried to say to myself, like I've tried to make this work. I've said, relax, Katie, breathe, it's going to be okay. But I think I've realized now, this has been like, what, 26 years of doing this, that like saying, relax, breathe, it's gonna be okay, it's not enough for me. It won't really make me feel any better. It's just this pretty thing that we tell ourselves that might help us out. But really what helps me when I get sucked into these feelings, when I'm looking too far into the future, spiraling, convincing myself I'll never have happiness and I'll never grow and move on. And I am the reason for all of my past failures as well. Like When I get sucked into feeling this way, what I do, my coping mechanism looks very similar to what helps me when my apartment is a mess. And it's making a list of actual tangible action items. Like what am I actually going to do to get myself out of this dark hole of a mindset and this massive anxiety spiral? Am I gonna breathe and tell myself it's gonna be okay? Like, yeah, I guess I can do that, but that's not enough for me. Like I need steps, I need concrete to-dos to get myself out of the hole. So if I'm spiraling in a relationship. So like either romantic or a friendship. I'll start by like writing a to-do list on a sheet of paper. Number one, I take some space. I spend time by myself. I spend time maybe also with people who I feel secure around, like I don't have issues with. You know, I step away from the situation. I study myself. I do some deep thinking. I write down my thoughts. Like these are all little things that you tick the box next to. And you do, you actually sit down and do these things And I feel like that helps me because I need something to focus on. I need something besides the thing that's really stressing me out. Like earlier when I referenced like, you know, if I have something really stressful coming in three weeks from now, if I'm only thinking about that thing, like it just makes it so much more glaring. I mean, this sounds really, really basic, but it's true. Like when it's the only thing you can focus on, then it's a point of no return, you know? And I feel when I start focusing on other things that are actually productive – like, you know, taking space for myself, reading, making something on the internet, something that I don't need someone else's company for, something that brings me this personal joy. I feel that anxiety and the spiraling just like fall off me like a heavy overcoat in summertime. I don't need that. Like, it like falls off me. I focus more on this thing that's actually right in front of me that's taking shape in front of me, not something super, super distant and far away in the future that I can't even see yet, or something so fictional that just isn't true, right? Like something that I've invented, something that isn't tangibly here right now in the present. I can focus on those things, though, that I can control, like how much of a book that I've finished or... The editing or concept of a video that I'm making for Instagram that I'm posting the same exact day that I film it, which I do all the time now. I'm focusing on these things that are literally right in front of me that I can control, really, really helps me. Like doing that really helps me, prevents me from hurdling myself into the future and getting super overwhelmed by things that won't happen for like a decade. Like I'm so done spending my today's worrying so much about my tomorrows. Like I'm done doing that. I'm done. Wasting away the day worrying about something that I can't even see. Like, I hate that I spend so much of my energy making up these fake stories about how horrible I am, how I'm the reason for all my failures, and how I'm just destined for more failure in the future, and that there's a potential that I might never find what I'm looking for because I haven't found it yet. Like, I hate that I do that. I hate that I do that. And Those negative thoughts that roll around in my brain, they are not facts. They're thoughts. They are lies. They are illusions that my brain just tries to accept as fact because it's easier that way for it to sort it, you know? And I confessed this thing to a friend of mine the other day that I feel like I might have seen on TikTok that other people do it as well. So when I'm on a date, especially a first date, I often... View that date as a performance, as like opening night of a show. Like, I could sometimes I just like literally could care less about what I actually think about the guy in front of me. Like, do I even think he's cute? Do I like him? Do I like the way he talks? Like, what do I even think about this guy? I don't really consider that as much. I feel like it matters a little bit, but most of all, the most important goal of the night for me is. I am going to make sure that this guy who is sitting across from me is obsessed with me by the end of the night. Like, I need to walk out of here knowing that he had a good time with me. Like, I need to do everything right. I need to make him laugh. I need to be hot. I need to order the right things on the menu. I need to be remarkable enough that he'll talk to his friends about me. Like, I need to succeed, whatever that looks like. Okay. Like, whatever success looks like in this situation, I need to do it. And it really isn't about the success fully. It's actually more so about what the success means or what it will do. I convince myself that making this guy like me and succeeding in this moment of him liking me and wanting to text me afterwards and wanting to see me again, somehow that will correct all of the times in the past that I've failed when that hasn't happened Like, I just need to correct it. Like, it's when – I think I talked about this before. This one horrible date I went on, like, three years ago, I wore this one dress. And for the next, like, two guys I went on dates with, I wore the same dress, hoping that it would correct it. Like, I'm obsessed with correcting myself or, like – getting it right next time because somehow it does make you feel better about failing the first time, you know? Like if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I think that that's why I'm so obsessed with what other people think of me pretty much in every realm. But specifically, like dating is one of those places where I do really feel that I have not truly succeeded yet. And it's like a game sometimes. It's entirely about the, the deep unconscious worry that I carry with me every single day into every single experience, like I'm afraid of being alone. I worry that something is wrong with me. I worry that I get in the way of everything that's good for me because I overthink and I'm an anxious person. And I try, this is why, like I, I try my hardest to control the narrative. Even if I literally don't even like the guy, sometimes I leave a first date Not even being able to picture like what the guy looks like in my head hours after seeing him, because I've been so focused on them seeing the best parts of me. That's where all of my energy goes. Like, how can I be calm, cool, collected, hot, casual, funny, all the things? Like, how can I do that? I am so focused on doing that. So, future tripping, guys, back to that. Future tripping is born from anxiety and it also feeds anxiety. I read that in an article. So anxiety literally causes us to future trip, to try to predict the future, try to prepare for the future, all of those things that future tripping is. Like anxiety is the cause, but also it's the thing that makes us more anxious. Talk about a mess, okay? <laughs> I have to start focusing on the step in front of me, not the entire staircase that's looming in the distance. Like I have to focus on the step in front of me because it's driving me insane to do anything different. Here's how I'm trying to cope with this. I try to focus on those things that I have control over and making more of them exist. Like I take that thing that scares me and that causes me that endless anxiety and I break it up into pieces, I create a to-do list of controllable things for myself and I title it something like getting through this scary future thing without spiraling and attempting to solve the problem before it gets here. Like that's essentially what it's called. So I create steps in this to do list that are not written by anxiety, but instead written by what is on my heart and what I know I have to do, what I know to be true about myself. No fictional, hurtful embellishments added, just the basics. Like, am I scared? that this guy on the state might not like the real me if he got to know me. And maybe he, if he did get to know me and I didn't have my guard up and I didn't make myself appear like the perfect person, maybe he would never speak to me again and I'd be right back where I was before. Like, well maybe if I stop lying to myself and I find a way to actually believe the truth that the real me is not bad at all and is actually really great, I'll be more comfortable on dates and I'll stop performing. I mean, truly the most controllable thing in my life, if you think about it, in all of our lives, the most controllable thing is ourselves, you know? There's a lot in this world we can't control, but we can control how we react to things. I mean, not maybe always our emotions, because my emotions just kind of take over me like a storm sometimes, but we can control our how we will move forward, what we will do after we feel that emotion. So why don't I spend more of my time trying to show myself how great I am? You know, I can control this body and this mind. Instead of writing up lies of how horrible I am and believing them, I need to focus on the now, who I've got right here. When I look around in this room that I'm sitting in, as I record, it's literally just me. It's literally just me. So shifting gears a little bit, still on the same sort of track, but something interesting. So I read this really awesome TED article i have linked about our brains and how they genuinely think that we can predict the future. Our brains often like say to us, oh yeah, sure. I know what's next in my life. I know what's coming up. It's like knowing what's next on TV. Like when we, when we watched cable, you know, like, oh, it's 9 p.m. Nick at night's on. But in reality, we suck at it. So I'm going to read a little bit of the article that I'll have linked. So in 2013, science, which is this publication, I think, I'm assuming. I think I've seen it at the grocery store, published a fascinating study conducted by the researchers Jordi Quadback, Daniel T. Gilbert, and Timothy D. Wilson. they recruited over 19,000 people and split them into two groups, predictors and reporters. They asked the predictors to estimate how much that they believed their personality would change in the next 10 years. So for example, a 25-year-old predictor would guess how much their personality would change by the time they hit 35, so 10 years later. Then the researchers asked the reporters how much their personalities had changed in the last 10 years. So in this group, a 35-year-old would describe how their personality has changed since they were 25. So from 25 to 35, how has their personality changed? The results of the study showed that the predictors... So those who were looking 10 years down the line believed that they would change less than the reporter's experience of personality change the other way. So essentially the groups were kind of compared against each other. like The reporter's actual experience of how they have changed in the past 10 years, like comparing that on top of those looking forward to 10 years, just did not line up. And the researchers wrote, they said young people, middle-aged people, and older people all believed that they had changed a lot in the past but would change relatively little in the future. People, it seems, regard the present as a, quote, watershed moment, which means a turning point at which they have finally become the person they will be for the rest of their lives. Like, my work here is done. Like, the present is as great as I'm gonna get. A lot of times. I think that that's how a lot of people feel. And that's what they concluded from this. So in a nutshell, it turned out that no matter how old the respondents were, like they had a variety of ages interviewed here, they uniformly believed that they had changed a ton in the past, but would change very little in the future. And because of this, you know, we make choices according to this mindset. We get that tattoo that we think we'll love for the rest of our lives because we like it right now. We buy this house in this state that we love right now even though that could change. Like we get married to the guy we just met because we love him, but we've only known him for three months, you know, things like that. So we all think that the way that things are now is the way that things will generally continue to be or pretty much that way. Like maybe a tad better or a tad worse, but not all that different. Like definitely not as turbulent as the last decade of our lives. Like if you think about how you were 10 years ago, I think of myself and like the clothes I wore and like what I was like – I don't feel like I'll undergo that much change in the future because, you know, I was younger then. And like young people, it takes them some time to get out of their awkward phase, you know, but that's how people feel when they're even well out of their awkward phase. When they're in their 60s, they feel the last 10 years was a lot of growth and the next won't hold that. Like in this study, that's what was said. And it's just so interesting when you think about it. So Anyway, I read this article in New York Times that was discussing this study and this concept. And one of the comments said, good thing we're forced to make lifelong decisions about our careers and families when we're barely a quarter into our lives. I hope studies like these teach women to stop freaking out when they haven't found a husband at age 22. (laughs) I like really, I thumbs up that comment. I was like, wow, that is a really, really valid comment. So the researchers that conducted this study, they called the concept the end of history illusion. And they coined this phrase in 2013. And here's what it means. It means that we think that everything will remain relatively unchanged from here on out, even though we might also report that our lives have changed a lot in the past. Our brains can't really comprehend or concoct a story with huge Personal future shifts. Like maybe it's rooted in hope and self preservation. Like I said earlier, maybe it's a survival instinct of sorts. We pretty much predict that our values, our interests, our preferences will be the same to some extent. Like I'll still hate the same foods I hate now, maybe with like one exception thrown in. And then, you know, I'll still love reading and I'll hate to run and I'll still like guys who are over six feet tall and have British accents and like things like that. Okay. But then when I think about how much, like I said, before, how much my interests, my tastes, my food loves and hates, my interests in certain guys over other guys and friends and in fashion. Like so many things have changed in the last decade of my life. Like I think a lot about the change that is coming in the next decade. And I think the reason why a lot of us assume or think or hope that not much will change is because there's just so much unknown that we kind of just hope that not much will change. Or – we're just scared that if it does change, it won't change in the right direction. Like it won't be positive, you know? But do we ever really know what's coming? All of the growth and the life and the love that we will experience, all the change that will happen to us, no. We will never be able to see it before it comes. It just will hurt our necks, you know, scrape our necks up there to the ceiling and look and try to figure it out. Try to see what's going on. Try to look up the staircase that hasn't even been presented to us yet. Like we're just trying. Look at the step in front of you and see how great it is. Why do we have to look up to the top and see where we're going all the time? Like why am I so obsessed with it? Why am I so obsessed with trying to prepare for it? Prepare for all this that hasn't even happened to me yet? We will never be able to accurately fathom it or wrap our minds around it. Though many of us will drive ourselves insane trying, at least I will, and I do and I try not to, but it's one of those things that I talk about on here and I make this episode and I'm still probably going to do it, but at least I'm aware I'm doing it, right? At least I'm aware that I'm future tripping, which just causes you to spiral even more. It's fueled by anxiety, but it also increases the anxiety. Like it's brought up on by anxiety, anxiety is the reason and it's the fuel But, you know, I don't want to waste any more energy than I have to predicting the future when I can put that energy into the now, right now, okay? I welcome change, even if it will be scary. It is one of those visitors that is inevitable. It's coming in. It's happening. I cannot prevent it. All I can do is just try to take it as it comes. And if something upsets me, confront that feeling, not brush it under the rug, Try to just take care of myself, you know? And yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on future tripping, guys. I do want to read this quote that I think that we should really tuck into the back of our minds in this next week or next season of life. And it says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And it's by this guy named Soren Kierkegaard, I think is how you say it. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That is the great the great confusion. The great issue is that when you look back, try to make sense of things, try to make sense of why you acted a certain way or why someone did something or why, why, why. And you guys know I love that. I love looking into the history of things and seeing how things came to be. So you can understand life much better when you look back, but it must be lived forwards. And when you think about it at that It's kind of not super forward, you know, because you can't be spending time in the future thinking too hard. So you're really just spending most of the life, most of your life just walking in a straight line one step at a time and seeing what's kind of like directly below you and what you're directly experiencing and what's about to happen to you, what you're going to experience is just a mystery. What do they say? Like yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today's a gift. Isn't that a quote? Today's a present. Today is today's present. Present is a present. I don't even know. You guys know what I mean. So here's to being present. Cheers. I have my Topo Chico in hand. Cheersing you right now. Cheers to being present and trying to stop future tripping because it is not going to help us, okay? It is literally anticipatory anxiety. It is worrying about something that has not happened yet that might not even happen, okay? It might not happen. I know we want to control something and we really think that we can, And we really think that if we try hard enough to predict something, we can protect ourselves and we're being proactive. But it's all a mirage. It's just energy that we're expending that might not even be worth spending, you know? Anyway, those are my two cents on the topic. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.